we're back to it. We're back into the swing of things with 2000. I'm going to have to get used to saying 2024, 2024. And continuing on through Arthur Season 19 here on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, I guess j- to clarify something that we put on the socials this week, I am the Arthur in Buster clothing, Will Young, and my uh, my co-host is the Buster in Arthur clothing, Lucas Mancini. It took us this long to discover his and hers or... or... Discord pal uh, icons for uh, our Elwood City Limits hosts. But yeah, it's true. When you have gotten actual Arthur artists to commission art of us, it's basically Buster and Arthur clothing and Arthur and Buster clothing is what we look like <laughs> as Arthur characters. So it only it only took, you know, 19 seasons to get to that point. But here we are. It's true. And like they, they're pretty, pretty decent likenesses. I mean, my ears don't stick up like that most days. But yeah, if you take a look at the uh, the uh, art that we commissioned on our on our Facebook page, on our cover page photo it's actually not not a bad likeness so that was that was really funny i'm glad everybody kind of responded to that pretty well um but yeah welcome everybody we're continuing going through arthur here and uh we are happy to be back once again and uh yeah i, I didn't have much more much more lead in than that so let's say we get to something that we actually haven't done yet in 2024 and that's read an email over at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com this is our first email of the year and of course it comes from ashley hollingsworth happy new year will and lucas hope you all enjoyed your holiday break going back to my previous email about arthur characters as the home alone cast the tough customers would definitely be the wet bandits rattles would be hairy and Slink would be Marv. They would also fit in with the Home Alone 3 baddies, which actually has three burglars, so Molly can join. Big shout-out to Home Alone 3. That was actually... Uh, that might be the Home Alone movie I've seen the most. Because, really? Yeah, I you know, I didn't watch Home Alone until I was a bit older, and before that, I just... Uh, like, I rented Home Alone 3 because I saw it in Disney Adventures magazine, and I loved Classic. it when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in a long time. I feel like even as a kid, I was discerning enough to know that direct-to-video movies were different than theatrical releases. Like, <laughs> I was never a big... I know people my age were big. The Lion King 2 people, Aladdin 2, uh, Home Alone 3. But even as a as a young man, I would be like, something's off about the production values. Where's, where's Kevin McAllister, is what I was saying to myself uh, upon... But yeah, so I, I've never seen Home Alone 3, but it certainly intrigued me back in the day. I should check that out. I should check that out again. Of course, I love the original Home Alone, and and I and I'm I can't... a big two. I'm a big two Lost in New York guy myself. No, not me. I can't do it. Can't go that far. But the first one, excellent movie. Uh, great holiday staple. Didn't watch it this year, but I do own it, so I can watch it anytime. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Buster isn't buying it and one ordinary critter, especially the latter one, because of carrot cake i think she's so stinking cute i think she's cuter than pal Mm, okay ashley well i'll have to think about it a little bit i mean as we said in the episode the the advantage it's advantage carrot cake because carrot cake doesn't have a human voice yet and hopefully never will my partner and i adopted a dog last year and my past with dogs has been shaky i like them but i used to be really afraid of them due to a bad experience and sometimes they can still make me nervous my dog jasper clearly loves my partner he's his favorite human and there are days when i feel arthur's anxieties about the dog not liking him there are days when i worry my dog doesn't like me but when i see his face light up when we're playing catch or cuddling i know that's not true it's just taking us a bit of time to bond with each other i thought this episode was great for showing a situation like this sometimes dogs need time to warm up to you. Also, I just like seeing Arthur work at the shelter, seeing how great he was with the dogs made my heart tingly. I'm also like, it's it's taken a while and really, I guess the advent of social media for me to kind of, I wouldn't say I'm a dog person, but to become more comfortable with dogs. I used to be scared of dogs for quite a long time just because I'm kind of an anxious person. And yeah, it, it, especially as a kid, like I was very nervous around dogs and didn't grow up with them. 
Yeah, I never grew up around dogs either. Uh, my family didn't get a dog till I was about to be moving out. Uh, so I've never really been an animal person in that, you know, I don't need it. So there's some people where mm-hmm. you could tell they really need to have an animal around to be comfortable. I've never been that way. But I'm also not particularly um, fearful of dogs either. Uh, I guess I, I, the inverse of you, I have a pretty calm temperament, uh, <laughs> generally will, almost to a disservice, right? I could stand to be a little bit more nervous about certain things, so... Uh, that's where I stand on dogs. Um, I actually will agree that Pal's been done no favors as of late, Will, you know, given that he's a British dandy. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Pal's losing cute points by the day. So maybe his uh, uh, kind of status as the cute one, it's numbered. Yeah. And, and, and really, it's one of those cases where it's like the less we see of carrot cake, the better. I We have that lovely episode. And yeah, it's like it, um, on WWE Raw back in the Vince era. <laughs> if if a character, the less a character was on TV, the more over they would be. Right. <laughs> we get the, we get the graphic like carrot cake returns next week. I'm like, oh boy, like we're excited for it. Um, I also loved hearing about the zodiac signs of some Arthur characters. As a Gemini myself, this is Ashley. I am not thrilled to hear that Muffy and I share a star sign. Gemini's already get a bad rap, the whole two faced thing, and Muffy isn't helping our reputation. Arthur is a Gemini. I don't really see it, but I guess that's fine. If anything, I would peg Francine as a Gemini. Update on the back catalog, I've reached the Flash years. Honestly, the Flash animation in Season 16 isn't bad. It's not good, but it's far better than the Season 19 animation. It's been years since I've seen Based on a True Story, where we meet the Compsons, and I was surprised that it looked better than I remembered. Still not a fan of the Flash animation overall. Thanks for reading my email. That's from Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. And of course, make sure to send in your correspondence, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com as we continue on through here. Now, there was a big change that we announced in the last episode to our Patreon, patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. Of, of course, I'm sure that you're aware by now we have two podcasts that go on a bi-monthly schedule. It is ECL Origins, followed by For the Kids, which used to be a PBS Kids podcast, but now we're expanding out through PBS Kids into other shows that are for the kids. And we got some great responses on a Patreon post where we were asking our patrons to let us know what shows we should cover on the new For the Kids and we decided one of the this has been something that's been requested for years and people have been trying to figure out like, well, it was kind of on PBS in this way or it was sort of on PBS this way under our old system. It didn't fit under our new system. We're definitely going to be talking about Veggie Tales at the end of January. And I'm telling you, I've, I've been doing Veggie Tales research this week. There is a lot to talk about. So we're going to have a That's lot right. to discuss. You, you busted out your King James. Uh, <laughs> and you said, at first, there was nothing. Uh, the Veggie Tales. You, you, you went and took a look at the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, <laughs> for your Veggie Tales research. Uh, yeah. yeah, very excited. Yeah, it's going to be something. And I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. So that's going to be happening at the end of January. So so make sure that you are on the Patreon if you want to hear that. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And we want to say thank you to uh, all of our patrons who support us, including people like John Griswold and Riley Stevens. Thank you to Lily W. and to Christine Lescody. Thank you to Vinny Cataldo and to Kelly Corbett. Thank you so much to Ricardo A. Soto and RPG Fiend. Thank you to David Corrales, Wolf Lover Zodiac. Thank you to Ben Spatall and Oscar Vest. And thank you to Ashley Hollingsworth and to our newest patron, Peppy Roo. Welcome to the Patreon. Hope you're enjoying your time. And also thank you to Blendy, who joined us very recently as well. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate your support over there. But we appreciate you no matter what, which is why Elwood City Limits continues on here. So, big theme of Season 19 and these later seasons of Arthur. We've talked about this several times, but they're making use of characters that we haven't seen in a while. Now, they're also introducing new characters that we hope to see again, but in some cases, it's a one-and-done. The character that we're talking about today, I thought might be a one and done, but actually, this is one of a handful of appearances, and his name's on the episode. It's Carl's Concerto. 
Now, if you don't remember, uh, Carl is a character who was introduced in his own special episode when Carl met George, which was several, several seasons ago. That would have been, so 2010 on the show, we're about 2015, so we probably talked about that back in 2022, I want to say. I should have gotten the exact episode date, but Carl is a character on the autism spectrum, and this episode that we're talking about talks about that a, a, a little bit. We'll, we'll we'll discuss it further, but this is a focus episode around Carl and around how people feel about Carl, maybe is the better way to, uh, to describe that, but Lucas, um, just to kind of catch us up from when Carl met George to now, um, for anybody who hasn't listened to the episode, do you do you remember your feelings on that character or kind of how he was handled initially? Uh, well, I, I mostly remember the conversation with the Elwood City listeners, which was that mm-hmm. uh, people appreciated Carl's characterization, but were sure to point out uh, it's important to remember that, you know, something like autism, uh, no two people are the same, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the mistake would be to feel like, okay, well, so Carl is representative of every autistic person. That would be a grand mistake. So I think people mostly came down on the side of it was a uh, in it was inoffensive and it was actually you know a pretty good uh, piece of representation for this type of character. But important to note that you know it, it doesn't color. Uh, everybody who's autistic, which I, I would think would be obvious, right? Like, yeah. whenever there's a character that has a certain attribute, we don't assume that everyone's like that. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of where people came down on Carl. And, and co- I yeah. kind of liked... Uh, I will say that I've actually enjoyed when Carl has propped up since then. Um, you know, this is probably the first episode since then to really kind of focus on Carl's autism. Other than that, he's just been kind of a part of the uh, cavalcade of... Arthur background characters, which I thought was really good. Yeah, whenever he's shown up since then, it's been kind of brief, and it hasn't, like, you know, we haven't ground the episode to a stop or something like that. He's just kind of there. Um, So, yeah, when Carl met George, um, one thing I wanted to note here really quickly is that in this cold open, this is a George episode because Carl is uh, George's secondary character, and in much the sense that there are these characters that are attached to others. So if Marina's around, it's a Prunella episode, uh, for example, and like if Rattles is around, it's a Binky episode, although he did get kind of his own episode. So, you know, but with Carl, it, George is typically going to be around. And in the original episode, which was in 2010, there were a couple of things about that that are dated by today's uh, standards you know, meant in in, in uh, a harmless way, but still is not how we talk about autism today. So originally in 2010, uh, when Carl met George, he was defined as having Asperger syndrome. And in this cold open, George describes Carl as a kid who has autism. So we they've have, retconned we- Carl. They've <laughs> retconned him. No, I'm just joking. But they actually, okay, wait a minute. I mean, since I brought this up, they actually do retcon an aspect about Carl in this episode. Uh, right off the bat, where they say he's not scared of puppets anymore. <laughs> That's true, and they they do they do explain that, and we'll, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but yeah, this cold open is about George kind of reintroducing Carl in case you haven't seen that one episode with him talking about he's very particular. He has a very structured routine. He is uh, he is autistic. So he has this structured routine and a very particular way that he wants to live his life. And George had an idea to seemingly put him on stage and how that might have been a bad idea. Was it? We'll see. So we start off here. George and Wally, Wally is George's ventriloquist dummy, uh, are at Arthur's house to pick up an assignment while DW and uh, I put Carl here, not Carl, um, Bud, excuse me. Uh, DW and Bud are uh, playing a board game and uh, uh, Wally goes over pretty well with um, with Bud, who has never seen him before. And they suggest that they that George and Wally should perform at their school's Bayfaf Day. What's Bayfaf Day? It stands for Bring All Your Friends and Family, which George doesn't realize at first. He says, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And then Arthur later says, yeah, it means Bring All Your Friends and Family Day. And then George is a little bit anxious about that, doesn't know exactly what he should perform. So eventually 
he gets to the idea to do something musical, perhaps, and he hears the playing of an accordion. And George discovers that Carl plays the accordion quite well. And he asks him to play accompaniment as George is going to put on a play with Wally about Goldilocks and the three bears. So this is George happens upon <laughs> Carl playing the accordion in the wild. This is where, as you said, Lucas, um, it was it was first established that Carl is afraid of Wally. So, you know, George has to put him away at all times. But Carl does say that he has been working with his therapist and he's no longer scared of puppets because puppets are part of the therapy that they do. Sure. He says, I believe the exact quote is, I'm no longer afraid of puppets. My therapist uses them to coach me on my social skills, which um, is, is is totally fine. And I'm glad that they actually did remember that he was originally fa- uh, afraid of puppets and they've wrote it, uh, wrote like a reason for why he isn't anymore. It, it is just kind of funny that they like put an actual line in to like explain why he's not scared of puppets. I, I don't know. There's something funny about this to me. Also, before we move on. Yeah. When Bud is first explaining this event to George, and it, it's not that I want to be hard on Bud, Will. You know, <laughs> I really want to give him a fair shake. Of course. The writers are not making it easy. Bud is such a stupid yokel <laughs> that he's never seen <laughs> ventriloquism before. So he's like, how are you How are you doing the voice when you're not moving your mouth? It's like, okay, Ernest, you've never seen a guy do ventriloquism? Someone has not seen, what's that guy's name, Jeff Daniels? Who's the racist puppeteer? Of, of, of. Jeff Dunham. Dunham. We, yeah. we, if, if, if Bud saw Jeff Dunham, his mind would be blown. This guy is the most, e- for someone who's so well-traveled, my God, he's really easy to impress. I'm, I'm going to give Bud an out here that he's four, so <laughs> maybe he just doesn't watch a whole lot of TV. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I, I, you know what? I don't want. Gee Willikers, he's some kind of musician. <laughs> he's using that dare voodoo magic. <laughs> I don't know about that because I'm from New Orleans. New Orleans. Down <laughs> <laughs> on the bayou. <laughs> hey man, I'm always fine with 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 um <laughs> with Bud bashing, but uh, I, I I will stick up for him just a tiny bit to maintain the illusion of. Uh, of uh, even-handedness. Carl is going to be the musical accompaniment here. The full cast is George is going to be Wally, uh, and then he gets Binky to be Papa Bear, Rattles to be Mama Bear, and Buster to be Baby Bear with accompanying hand puppets. Wally is going to be Wally Locks. I do want to note here, this is uh, something that I found from reading the Arthur Wiki. Uh, The second CD, music CD, Arthur's really rockin' music mix has a version of the Three Bears with Buster and Binky playing the same roles. So maybe, uh, maybe borrowing a little bit from that er- much earlier music CD. So the George and the cast they want to practice, but they have a hard time getting used to Carl's schedule, his particularities. Uh, he has very regimented times for when he needs to be home, for when he needs to take a lunch break, and like. It's 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 understandable that that might chafe against kids who are more able to go with the flow. But honestly, I'm fine with Carl like sticking up for him, sticking up for himself, being like, "No, it's lunchtime now. I gotta eat." And like, okay. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, lunchtime is lunchtime. What, what are you paying him? Like, no. Let it. Let him take his lunch when he wants to. You know. The thing I noticed right away from these kind of practice sessions is it's got one of my favorite things in animation, which is a character doing a voice, doing a voice. Right. You could always mm. tell how impressive it is when a voice actor is kind of able to go two characters deep. Uh, And that's what we see here from George's voice actor pretending to be Wally, pretending to be Goldilocks. Um, (laughs) It's one of those things where it seems effortless and easy, but try to do it yourself, and it's incredibly difficult. So props on uh, George's voice actor there. That's a really good point. And uh, there's a a line that I liked when Buster... uh, as baby bear walks in and sees Wally locks and he's like, Oh no, an alien from the planet, whatever. And George just has an aside, like easy on the ad libs. And, and eventually Carl has to leave somewhat abruptly because it's time for him to go back home and not, not, not exactly paying attention to the social aspect because he is autistic, but George is starting to get a bit worried that maybe this is not going to work well with how particular Carl is. 
he has a dream that night where the play ends up going horribly wrong because Carl doesn't listen to him and does his own thing. So he plays the wrong music. He does the the classic uh, this. I'm, I know this has a name, but I can't think of it. The um, and instead of like a peppy song. And, like, everybody laughs. It goes over terribly. In the dream, like, Bud heckles them. And it goes so badly in this dream that Mr. Ratburn, who is there, revokes George's dummy operator's license and confiscates Wally for how terrible it all went. This is the highlight of the episode. You know I love these dream sequences, and I usually say the darker the better. This was some great stuff. Um, we get an amazing line from DW where she says, even though this is free, I demand my money back. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is, you know, just how over the top it goes, uh, how mean-spirited it all is. And, I, yeah, I love getting your dummy license revoked. And not only that, he first he revokes the dummy license, and, yeah, he swigs back and does kind of a double take. It says, and I'm taking Wally. <laughs> they just keep piling on the pain. And uh, that director's license is, or excuse me, that dummy operator's license is signed by Arthur director Greg Bailey. Uh, so George wakes up and he's very, he's very, very anxious about this. He decides that he's going to ask Carl to not play music anymore, and he asks Binky to replace him as musical accompaniment. But George can't quite spit it out over the phone. He's still too anxious. It's a little bit of an Arthur move here, but George has anxieties as well. So he just can't quite say what he needs to say here. And when the, the push comes to shove here when they're doing a um, when they're doing a rehearsal and Carl has to leave again. And George is um, he, he's worried that Carl just isn't taking it seriously. But Carl Carl again here with the power move where he's just like, I don't feel like playing right now. I've been practicing, so it'll be good. Like he just kind of stops playing because he's done. But then he's like, don't worry. I've been practicing. I can do I can do this good. And George doesn't really trust him yet. And he feels like maybe he'll go a bit off script. But they arrive at the uh, Bay Faf day. And despite George's anxieties, it goes over really well. Carl plays without a hitch and like it kind of like I was expecting there to be a bit more wrap up than this where they finish the play the, the their version of Goldilocks and the Three Bears has a happy ending where they all move in together and then Carl finishes uh and then he leaves and that's it like like there's no moment for for George to identify like oh I guess I misjudged him or uh like I I I clearly don't know uh, or maybe, maybe, I, maybe I, uh, yeah, just maybe I was wrong about Carl all along. Uh, it's yeah, I, I was expecting a little bit slight this ending here. I agree. I actually had to go back. <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> I missed the ending. I like checked out for a second, and then I was like, oh, Carl's doing the the walk off. So uh, I had to check back in. I agree that it kind of came out of nowhere. And now a word from us kids. This one's pretty quick. I don't really have any notes for this. It's uh, uh I have a note. Ooh, and it's, okay. Step aside, Lydia Tar. Step <laughs> aside, Maestro. I knew uh, I knew when this we, started off with conducting that you'd work tar into it somehow. Well, basically, we get some kids practicing music. I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about uh, a little bit of local flavor, as we are a Halifax podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, Will, there's this uh. There's this store that's opened up in Dartmouth called Disto Bins with a Z, okay? okay. Yeah, all right. Disto Bins. And what it seems to be is some sort of brick-and-mortar location for stuff that gets returned from Amazon. Um, okay. And it's like they get new kind of stock on a certain day of the week, and then every consecutive day it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until they're essentially giving it away. Okay. Um, and before you start to get too excited and think there's a bunch of gems in there, <laughs> my friend sent me pictures. It literally is a brick-and-mortar store full of garbage. <laughs> like, literal just garbage. Just, like, bids and bids of garbage. However, however, he did find a brand-new vacuum-sealed 4K Ultra HD copy of Tar. Oh my God! Uh, for the low, low price of thirteen ninety nine, that's a twenty five dollar 
uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray right there, Will. So you best believe I DM'd him immediately, and that is now in my possession. What so, a what a steal! That story more interesting than these kids' music <laughs> rehearsal that we see. And <laughs> this is a word from us kids. Well, and this is the thing is that like the first ep- the first part, the first story doesn't really end with an explicit moral. There is an implicit one. Uh, you know, it's it's that it's to be more trustworthy of your friends in that sense. But with this one, it's just like the uh, Selena and the El Sistema music program in Somerville, Massachusetts, which still exists. It is still a thing. They're like, yeah, George and Carl had to practice for their thing and we're practicing for our concert. And they do. And it goes well. I was like, okay. (laughs) Not really much more to say about that. Nothing, nothing super funny in that one, and it's kind of seeing it's, seeing little kids conducting is fun. Yeah, I, I it's it's funny because I was I, I feel like there was a conversation that I saw on Twitter recently, and it was like, you know, what do, what do conductors even do? And there <laughs> there, there was like a, there was like a, and somebody posted like a graphic of like these motions mean this things. It's and like conducting is to keep everybody in time, like a much more. Uh, like a little bit more of an advanced description beyond you know what we basically learned in music class. So it's interesting to see to see kids doing it. It's you, you know the I, I used to be the type of person that was like I could probably do that, and I'm just like no, I can't. Absolutely cannot. I can't play any musical instrument, so I have no business conducting. So good to learn it while you're young and get all the motions down. Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcast, Instagram, at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits pod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us and your email might be right on the show. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. Finally, for exclusive content, including entire side series like For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast and ECL Origins, subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening. And now, back to the show. And then we have too much of a good thing, which is a Buster episode. We start this off with Arthur asking us, what if we did the thing we loved all the time? And would doing that all the time make it a bad thing? You know, there's a couple of examples here. Uh, Pal loves to fetch sticks. But what if a machine uh, uh, threw out the sticks for him and it just went in perpetuity? He would get tired eventually. Uh, we see DW watching Mary Moo Cow for 14 hours straight to the point where she goes brain numb and can only <laughs> say moo. And Yeah, this is that DW is like, that's me when I'm watching like a really long wrestling pay-per-view. <laughs> and I'm drooling and I'm going, the tribal chief, <laughs> the... The you're, head of the table. <laughs> you're, you're on hour five of Wrestle Dream, or you're like yeah. 45 minutes into the MJF Daniel uh, Brian Danielson Iron Man match, and you're just like Burberry, <laughs> Mister mm. Ratburn, who oh, this is the best one. Gives quizzes to non-students. Like, what if he gave quizzes all the time, including if he gave it to the mailman who seems to be wearing like a knockoff Canada Post uniform. If you give your mailman an F, that's like you owe. Everyone's heard the term "going postal." That's how you literally get a bomb in the mail. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't. I don't mess with the people. You know, you don't mess with food service people because you know what the power they have to do. I wouldn't mess with uh, the people who work for the postal service. No, that's uh, as somebody who briefly worked for the postal service. That's the last thing that we will like. First of all, like when I'm on my route, like don't like don't talk to me. But if you're like, don't be giving me a quiz. And then he literally like puts an F on a receiving form of just like that, that, that that's going to ruin somebody's day. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. But yeah, this episode is about Buster and his lack of willpower. So. We, we start off, Buster is right in Arthur's face here. Literally, Ar- Arthur wakes up 
He puts on his glasses, and the screen is filled with Buster's face. He showed up at Arthur's house early for the start of the Kit Scouts cookie sales. Not the not the uh, Cub Scouts, but they're Kit Scouts, as in, like, another term for Fox. So, Buster, he's really excited to get these cookies. There's one particular type of cookie that Buster is most excited about, and it is the Tuva Luna cookie which is not real. It's actually, this is a parody of the Samoa cookies that the Girl Scouts give out. And because Tuvalu is another Polynesian nation. But these Tuvalu, ah. these Tuvaluna cookies, Buster describes them as this. Coconut-laced cashew clusters dipped in Oaxacan chocolate and drizzled with artisanal caramel. Gotta get me that Oaxacan chocolate. Mm. Um... See, I'm not too up on my American Girl Scout cookie varieties, right? Yeah. Here in Canada, there's only really two, which is the Oreo ripoffs and then the, like, after-eight mint, uh, mint yeah. chocolate ones, mm-hmm. which, you know, over – in my older age, <laughs> I've grown to prefer the mint ones, and I can, much mm. like Buster, crush a box of those bad boys. Just, just absolutely decimate a box you know when you're eating cookies by the sleeve yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah oh yeah um i'm much more partial to the oreo knockoffs i really like those i like being a good vanilla oreo um but yeah we don't have the same type of like there's a wikipedia page for all the girl scout cookies so i've never even seen a samoa cookie in real life and certainly not a tuvaluna which is uh, not real. Another thing I wanted to note here. So as as I said, Buster comes in like right as Arthur is waking up and then politely turns around as Arthur just gets dressed. And like, I, I, I don't care if Buster's turning around. Arthur, way more comfortable getting dressed in front of his friend than I was at eight years old. I, maybe that's, you know, I always... Yeah, as I say, I'm uh, Arthur in a Buster costume over here. Uh, yeah. Very, very anxious type of person. Like this was not m- in my comfort area, but clearly Arthur and Buster's uh, friendship is such that he feels no, like he it completely trusts Buster, and he's like, you know, they, they don't get explicit or anything, but he is like fully stripping out of pajamas and into his normal Arthur wear here. I'm much. I'm fulfilling my Buster role as you know. That's like. Go to the sportsplex. You go to the uh, or the YMCA for our American listeners. You're the the change room. You can get naked with your boys. Even back in the day, <laughs> as a little kid. No, it was it was it was far too much of a uh, horrifying thing for me. So not something I'm a, that I would be comfortable with. So kudos to Arthur in this sense. So Buster gets his cookies, and the thing is, is that Arthur remembers how Buster. Always, he does this every time he gets these two Valuna cookies. He sits down and he eats them all right away and he makes himself sick. In fact, Arthur has photo evidence of before and after where it's the classic thing they do with Buster where like he'll eat a bunch and then like his gut grows 10 sizes and he's got chocolate smeared on his mouth. It's actually a great like still of him just like on his chair just like kind of a caption idea for this screen cap will yeah what did the what did the whale come out <laughs> uh, was that last year or the year before year i before. think that was 2022 yeah so just the whale 2022 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's way that's way better than whatever i had that's great that's what i'm gonna do um but yeah but which kind of rubs buster the wrong way because he doesn't he doesn't remember it like that but arthur is pretty confident and buster feels that he wants like you know he starts hoeing into these things right away but then he's he's like i can i can totally exercise my willpower to which arthur's like no you can't like no you can't so he first asks arthur to take the cookies and to not let him have more than one a day but arthur correctly assumes i'm you're gonna keep badgering me and i'm eventually gonna give it to you so they decide instead they're going to give the cookies to Binky. And again, he will give him one a day and will only give him one a day no matter what. And this is a test okay. of Buster's willpower. I heard a story of someone doing this in real life recently. Okay. Uh, with the the Casino Nova Scotia. I heard of this what? story where someone was a gambling addict and they asked the casino, no matter what they said, to not let them be in the casino. And they went to the casino anyway and was winning. 
it had to be like physically removed because they didn't want to leave because they were winning. But it's the first time I've ever heard like in real life. I, I mean, of course, like there's people who are actual like, you know, substance abuse addicts and stuff like that. But this is the first time I've really heard of someone kind of operating under werewolf rules, you know, where they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no matter what I say, don't untie me from this tree. So is there, uh, I, the, um, as I've said a couple times now, it's like, I consider myself more of an Arthur, but I do resonate with Buster here. My willpower is really, really terrible. Uh, I have a really hard time committing to usually things involving like something that I'm doing like with myself. So like for me, if you're talking about going werewolf, it's snack foods, chips, like, yeah, it's, I, I don't have it in me to stop eating a chip bag once I've started. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. small or large, it's just it's just going to happen. And sometimes I Whoa. like have to like physically remove it. So in that way I understood where Buster's coming from. Yeah, I mean in in that regard, even me I was talking about crushing those those cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I for the same reason I actually just try not to have cookies in the house cuz I know that yeah. I feel like, like for instance, like an Oreo or something. There's something in there where they're designed to make you eat the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. I think they're like literally the chemicals in your brain. The, the your brain is going to tell you to eat the whole one. So you're kind of setting yourself up. I, I don't mean you specifically, Will. I yeah, mean yeah, the yeah. royal you. You set yourself up for <laughs> failure. So you know uh, when when Girl Guy Cookie season comes around, I buy a box for sure. But it's like when I go to the grocery store, I try to avoid buying that stuff because I know kind of how I act when it's around, which is that I'm just going to, like, crush it. Yeah, and that's why I've had to become a lot more careful with that sort of thing. So, like, I will usually try to, the operative word being try, to buy chips at, like, grocery time. And then once I have them, it's like, all right, got to wait another two weeks until we get groceries again. And it sucks, and I wish I had chips right now, but I'm sure my blood pressure will thank me. So Buster is really trying to flex his willpower here, but we know Buster. He is not a person that he can trust even with himself, and eventually his brain starts to eat itself. Uh, we see in class, Buster hallucinates a talking Tuvaluna. It almost looks like a... Uh, uh, what do you, um, the, oh, what was the name of those those talking raisins? California raisins. Uh, California raisins. It, lo- it kind of looks like a California raisin a little bit, because it's like bouncing a ball, or like Mr. Peanut maybe, and it's just like, hey, Buster, how's it going? Why aren't you eating me? And Buster's like literally talking with it where people can hear. Um, Buster has to go to the tough customer spot on the playground. We've seen them stake out their own territory. It's called the Tower of Pain here. And Buster's full on fiending for these things. Binky is sitting on top of the case and he will open it and get the box of cookies out and give Buster one. They're like... I I want to I want to give props here to the the animators and the concept artists here. There's some great wild Buster expressions here when he's like getting his one cookie. His like there are some shots where his like pupils are way smaller than they normally are, and it makes him look like nuts. It's really good for what they're trying to do. Buster's so down bad for these things. He creates a Tuvaluna in wood shop, like a big one, like way bigger than these cookies are, and he takes a bite out of it, and is like, bleh, because it's wood. <laughs> he's fiending for it so bad, he's going to enlist some help. George is nearby, and he's creating, uh, he's building a house in wood shop, and he's using the wrapping from a Tuvaluna box as wallpaper for the house. He really, really likes the look of it. Uh, Buster sees the box and initially dives for it, but there's no cookies in it. So he asks George's help to get his two Valunas back. So the rest of this is that they go on this Hitman Agent 47 style mission uh, where they create a dummy box and they fabricate this really unnatural situation so that uh, Buster can, sorry, so that George can switch out the boxes and they get the two Valunas back, which involves. Uh, Buster faking that the ice cream truck is around and then final and then dropping a Tuva Luna. So getting everybody else to help him look for it. And then they find they finally abscond with it. It's quite the it's a quite the complicated Metal Gear style uh, situation. Yeah. A little bit of Ocean's Eleven here. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Him and George walking out of the playground and just like f- throwing their jackets off sort of thing. Um, 
and we get a little exchange with Rattles. So Rattles is the the it, Rattles is the doorman. He literally has a list earlier on that he has to check with Binky before he lets Buster in. And you know, Buster expects that everybody will go running for the ice cream truck, but uh, uh, Rattles is lactose intolerant, so he's not interested in ice cream. But they do have sorbet. Do they have peach sorbet? Yes, yes, they have every flavor. It's like Buster's just trying to get him to go. And Rattles thinks about it, and he's like, well, I don't know if it'll be all that good because peaches aren't in season right now. But maybe they imported peaches from where it is in season. Eh, might be worth a try. So <laughs> a little bit of a, a walk up here. And they do finally get their hands on the box, and Buster makes off with it back home. He has all of the two Valunas in a pile. And he's about to eat it, uh, and he he has a thought that maybe maybe this wasn't worth breaking his willpower for. Binky uh, comes into his room, and what was going to happen is that once Buster had eaten all the two Valunas and gotten through this little willpower experiment, Binky had a bag full of them that he was just going to give him as a reward. But now, since he already stole the ones that <laughs> he bought, uh, Binky gives him the rest of them. But Buster, in a display of willpower that he didn't need to do, he gives the rest of his two Valuna cookies to Arthur. And, you know, he takes one or two. But uh, he decides to take one and add it to his collection, which we've seen many times before in the uh, <laughs> your, the, the beloved collection, your favorite thing about Buster, the little fish tank that he has of all, like, the food from around the world. So he adds a two Valuna to his collection, and he has kind of made a point about his willpower, even though, really, this whole thing has just proven that he will go to the ends of the earth to get what he wants. So he's he doesn't have a lot of willpower. He does have a, a lot of desire, at least. So there is that. Yeah, I feel like in talking about these two stories, they're a bit more maybe slight than, yeah. than, than, than we figured. So let's talk about, first, Carl's Concerto. This was... Another, one of the only Carl episodes that we're getting, I don't think this is the last appearance of him, and this might not be the last focus episode for him, but what did you think about Carl's Concerto, Lucas? I was actually pleasantly surprised by Carl's Concerto. Okay. Um, with my expectations, you know, I was strapped in for, it's a, it's a pretty sensitive topic. Yes. Um, yeah. And a lot of times when Arthur's dealing with something really sensitive, um, the kind of brevity, or not brevity, but the the levity rather, yes, kind of takes a goes to the back burner. Because, and my worry was this was really going to be an after school special, and instead, this is a really funny episode. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of I think really good writing and just like straight up jokes <laughs> throughout this episode. <laughs> uh, all the stuff of you know all the jokes while they're rehearsing the play. Um, the whole dream sequence is, of course, the highlight of the episode. Really, really funny dream sequence. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I thought that was pleasantly surprising for an episode that is kind of, aside from that, a really serious topic. Um, I was worried that, you know, they weren't going to use it as an opportunity to be kind of creative in the writing. And they were really just going to kind of hammer home the moral. That being said, I totally agreed with you with this episode... It's almost as if they were so worried about saying the wrong thing that they kind of end up saying nothing. Yeah. Like, the, the moral is that, you know, if your friend is different, uh, maybe what works for them doesn't work for you, but you kind of just got to trust your friend. Um, but the way they wrap it all up, you know, it would be an even more interesting episode and, and far more complicated and probably more complicated than even for Arthur to tackle. Or what if some of Carl's ex eccentricities actually did get into the way of performance? And how does George still deal with that with an open mind? Um, but that's probably uh, a bridge too far and something that the writers didn't even want to kind of tackle. So mm -hmm. luckily they, they kind of just wrap it up in a neat little bow. So... I was still kind of almost dreading this episode just because I wasn't in the mood for kind of an after-school uh, kind of educational scolding, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy it wasn't that, at least. You're right. It, this this could have gone a whole lot worse. And really, I, I don't think it's a bad episode. I just kind of don't have any feelings on it at all. I'm pleased that you liked it. And there are things in it to like. I'm pleased that Carl is back once again. There's some funny parts to it as well. But yeah, it, it just kind of didn't do very much for me. Um, yeah, it, 
Carl is an interesting opportunity, I suppose, but I would prefer him to be a character more than an opportunity. And we do get a bit more of that. Like, literally, he developed from the first time that we saw him to this time. So that's pretty cool. But it does seem to be more of, like, he is an opportunity for George to learn a lesson rather than being, like, a character. Um, And what, which is funny because the parts of this episode I liked the most were Carl. Like, I, I liked him. I thought he was... Uh, very like very much stuck to his guns, and uh, I I would really like to see him interact more with the show. And this is a common critique that we're coming back to is that like I just don't know if we're really gonna get as much of Carl as I would like there to be. But you know that character came around at a very particular time in the show when they weren't equipped or maybe just not interested in having that sort of regular representation on the show. And it, and it is what it is. It started in, like, 2010. The conversation about autism was way different. As, as you remember, like, that original episode when Carl met George used to be George and the missing piece, which has to do with the puzzle piece uh, sim, uh, symbolism of autism and all that kind of thing. And that's, that is that is out these days. At least I, I, I think it's culturally out uh, a lot, and it, I think it should be. But in this case, yeah, it's was weirdly, you know, for a kid's show, it's it's rare for the kids sh- for me to watch a kid's show and be like a little bit too subtle with your message here, guys. I just kind of would have appreciated George maybe putting a button on it or maybe just having one more scene with Carl being like, oh, just reasserting his talent and his confidence in himself, which I think is a strong part of that character. But yeah, it, it just didn't do very much for me. But also didn't, you know, fumble fumble anything big time. So yeah, could 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 have been worse. But as it is, eh, kind of a shrug from me. And then it's paired with something that you know sometimes the episode pairings work, and other times they, there's not much of a through line. Like too much of a good thing is an interesting idea, especially a good one to give to Buster uh, about willpower. And I think that this is a funny way of realizing that this is this is much more of like a lighthearted comedic episode. And it's good to get these from Buster every now and again, because I think he's really good for these. And it makes sense with his character to be doing this. I thought this was entertaining. Uh, I liked all I liked how Buster's mind degrades in really funny fashion. You know, there's a especially when we get these character focus episodes, a lot of times if left to their own devices, they will be their own worst enemy, no matter who it is. And Buster is always the one to fly off the handle the most dramatically, uh, to be the most outrageous and to really like make it come out out of a molehill. So it's like the fact that this was about him trying not to eat all the cookies, like made it somehow even <laughs> more dramatic. So I, I, I liked it. I, I think that Buster was really funny. This is another episode where it's like, if you're hungry watching this, uh, or if you're like wanting a snack, come prepared because they're talking a lot about these cookies. And I'm not, from the description, I was like, yeah, I might like that. And by the end of this, I'm like, I really want a Tuvaluna. But of course, unfortunately, they don't exist. So don't watch this on an empty stomach. But this this was fun. I, I thought this was uh, some lighthearted fun. I know I too am craving a cookie right now. I'm gonna go get one right after we're done recording. <laughs> um, I agree that this episode was fun. And again, it's 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 the same thing where it subverted how preachy I thought this episode was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead. It kind of descends into two kind of separate things that I find really entertaining. One, uh, Buster freaking out. Uh, and two, I loved Binky as this sort of underboss. Uh, we get yeah. all these vignettes of Binky kind of ruling the playground. Rattles is his bouncer. We kind of get the way Binky is like sitting atop of the case, the locked case of cookies <laughs> uh, and how kind of will we see a desperate buster like begging Binky for a cookie. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you got to eat it right here right now. He's like making up new rules. Right, yeah, Binky yeah. in this role was like fantastic. Uh, and it made me want to see kind of more uh, organized crime style parodies, <laughs> but with Binky. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's him as like this benevolent patriarch character where it's like he 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 knows best with Buster, especially because Buster is proving that like he's like, he's going insane without these cookies. And Binky's just like, no, 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 I'm doing this for your own good. But he's all he also kind of likes having this power over Buster. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's a really well observed. It's like he's the penguin or kingpin or something. Uh, yeah, I wish, as always, 
We would love to have more tough customer stuff. They're such versatile characters. You can do like fun, uh, or I should say like more human stories with them, but you can also have fun with them in terms of them being like a little uh, Elwood City mafia, <laughs> Lakewood mafia over here. Arthur season 19 giveth and it taketh away. As we get closer and closer to the end, you know, keep looking at those episode descriptions. And I'm like, all right, uh, you know, checking for the obvious signs of dog and baby or LaDonna and Bud, you know, the, the stuff that we're not really looking forward to. So a Carl episode and a Buster episode, at least as an offering, is a good is good in my book. And we're going to continue this on again in the next episode of Velvet City Limits. So thanks a lot for listening to this one, everybody. Really appreciate you being here in the uh, dry January of it all. We're going to be, uh, of course, talking about Veggie Tales at the end of the month on the new For the Kids podcast. And remember, if you haven't listened to it yet, we have a full episode where we are talking about Bluey in the first and maybe only episode of ECL Down Under. So if you've ever wanted us to for <laughs> long if you've ever wanted us to have long form thoughts on Bluey, we finally did it and it's on Patreon. Remember, it's pay what you want over there. So as little as a dollar and you can listen to that full podcast. So over an hour, we dropped it on Christmas Day and it's great. Like I I I to tutor our own, our own horn here. I had a great time uh, recording it and editing it and uh, getting some good feedback on it as well. And, of course, as a patron, you get ECL a week early. You get access to the Discord where we're constantly talking about stuff over there, including the episodes and even more. So make sure that you sign up if that's something you want to do at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. But even if you don't, that's totally okay. Thank you so much for supporting us, whether it's on the free feed or on Patreon. And coming up next time on Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Francine's Cleats of Strength and Little Miss Meanie. Again, I, like it wasn't until we had this episode that I was like, wow, I haven't heard from Buster in a while. And then I looked at these episodes, I'm like, I haven't heard from Francine in what feels like forever. We've had like every other character around the horn except for Francine. So this feels a little bit overdue. Now, now Lucas, I'm going to have to check out this, uh, this, this business that you're talking about. Like, I, 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 I love, I deeply love going to like thrift stores Just, and whoa. stuff like that. And I don't know, this sounds right up my alley. Desto Bins is the place for you. And if you go there, Will, let me know if you see any other 4K Ultra HD Blu-rays on sale. I absolutely will. You you are you're the Blu-ray man around here. So if it looks like something that yeah, if I if I stumble across any Chinese movies, you're gonna know about it. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. You're a cruel moose, George Lundgren. We'll see you next time.